Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello and welcome to The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40. Created and hosted by me, journalist and broadcaster, Sam Baker. Today's guest is the Sunday Times Styles beauty columnist, India Knight. Every week, thousands of women turn to her column for beauty advice. Not beauty junkies, not trend followers, just regular women like you and me who want to know what works, why it works, and what's worth spending their hard-earned cash on. Now India has turned that column into a book, India Knight's Beauty Edit, What Works When You're Older. Giving practical advice, if you've suddenly found your skin, body, hair, or all three are changing, and that tried and tested look that you've relied on for most of your adult life, it's no longer working. I really, really believe in really good skincare. And I think that you can get away with cheap makeup if you have really good skincare. And the skincare actually needn't be expensive either. So skincare is the foundation of everything. India joined me to talk about why she doesn't miss a single thing about being younger. How she gained a sense of self in her 50s. Why skincare is the foundation of everything. And what happened to make her a loud and proud tweakment refusenik finally cave. If you can't be asked hunting down beauty tutorials on TikTok and there's no way on earth you're going to use 35 products where two or three will do, this chat is for you. And finally, I understand the point of serum. Thank you for coming on the shift, India. It's lovely to see you. Great pleasure. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> and you're, I'm just looking at your shirt, nosing at your your lovely kind of cottagey, cosy looking living room. Are you going, you fell on autumn. 
this is my office. Um, oh yes. my gosh, your office is not even your living room. Not my living room. It's the it's um it's the room where there's the least echo. So it's the room that I used to do these sorts of things. And here is my desk that you can't see, but that I am sitting at. God, it looks huge. That's why you moved to the country, I suppose. That's why you moved to the country, yeah. So tell me, I've got about a million beauty questions to ask <laughs> you. But before that, I want to talk to you just a little bit about your own experience of ageing and midlife and menopause and the whole shebang. Because I remember before I wrote The Shift, when I was just, I was going into perimenopause, but I didn't really know what was going on with me. And I just felt like a mad person. I remember emailing a bunch of, or text and texting a bunch of people who I thought might be, might know what was going on. And you were one of them. And I remember you just being, no, I'm completely fine. It's all, it's all great. I don't know what you're talking about. Did that, was that your menopause experience or were you just behind me? No, I, that was entirely my menopause experience, which I realise is a really irritating thing to say for people who have a difficult time. Um, but for some completely peculiar reason, it was actually when I moved here to the country, when I moved out of London, I one day I woke up and thought, oh, I haven't had a period for ages. Um, and the next time I went to my GP... He said, how long exactly? And I couldn't quite remember. And then another few months went by and it was two years and that was that. And like nothing, nothing, no, no sweats, no madness, no feelings of, you know, whatever. Um, so I'm very fortunate and I realise it's annoying. So I'm going to stop saying it now. But yeah, <laughs> no, I just, um, nothing happened. I stopped having periods. I hated having periods. Uh, and then everything was fine. Everything was good. I'm quite absent-minded, but I think that's age rather than menopause. Yeah, that is quite annoying, but I'll let you off. Um, it's, it's, I don't miss periods at all. And it's like when people say to me, oh, I really miss periods, I think, why? God, really? Do people say that? Yeah, yeah. I, I had really heavy periods and I was quite sort of incapacitated every month and I do not miss them. I don't miss anything about being younger. You know, it's a kind of it's a funny thing. Um, I've had a lot of therapy in the last five years and I've, I'm much more at ease with myself than I've ever been before at any point in my life. And I think the great kind of gift of ageing and or of menopause is that you really or I certainly, I don't want to talk for everybody, but you you know what you mind about and you know what you don't mind about and you know what matters to you, not, you know, only to you, to please you, not to please other people or impress other people or whatever. And you are, you, you have great certainty about who you, or certainly more certainty about who you are. And I think that's an incredible thing. And I really love that. I, I find it's really simplified my life, actually. I used to, you know, I spent my sort of 20s and 30s and 40s running around, feeling slightly anxious, thinking, well, what about this? And if I said this, will this person like me? And what if that person doesn't like me? And all of that has just kind of fallen away. If people like me, great. If they don't, never mind. And I just sort of plough my furrow and feel very contented. So there's huge advantages, I think, to this stage of life. And also, I think the stage of life, I think it's really important to enjoy this particular stage of life because the next stage of life is not necessarily guaranteed to be jolly. So, you know, see the day and all of that. Yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? And I do wonder if, I don't know, I'm not trying to make a conspiracy theory of it. I do wonder if one of the reasons that we're slightly led to dread ageing and dread being this age 
is the, I don't know, the great conspirator in the sky or whoever, doesn't want us to know that actually all that stuff that's been exercising you for the last 20 or 30 years just just goes. It just goes. It's a, I don't really love the word empowering, but it's a very kind of powerful feeling. You know, you feel you feel in control of yourself and, and therefore by extension, much more, much more in control of other things and much more able to cope. I mean, it's it seems to me a really great and underreported thing. You know, of course, there are also less likable or attractive or photogenic things about getting older. But the sense your sense of it does something amazing to your sense of self, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's, it's, I've found that absolutely crazy. And how did you, how did you feel about the change in your appearance? Were you worried about that? Were you worried about that whole, like, oh, I'm not going to get whistled out on the street anymore, all of that stuff? I mean, no, it's, I, I, I never really enjoyed, I mean, it's very, how old are you? I think we're almost exactly the same age. I'm 57. I'm 57 too. So, so you, like I, will have been, like I, like me, not like I, it's a thespian way of phrasing it. Anyway, um, you will have been brought up, as I was, in a society where random strangers finding you desirable was mattered, was important. And then we've gone through so insane, you know, the wolf whistle or the guy sitting opposite you on the tube when you're quite young, you know, the older guy on the tube or the man in the shop or the man in your, your manager in your Saturday job or whatever. And we were brought up to sort of welcome it. I mean, as we grew older and things evolved, you know, obviously you begin to question these things, but we were brought up to sort of find it a bit complimentary. You could find it problematic and intimidating, but it was also a little bit complimentary. And so we were brought up to have a kind of duty to be decorative or as decorative as we were capable of being. With ageing, that sense that I must look my best at all times and what happens if the waiter doesn't wink at me or if the guy on the tube carries on looking at his newspaper or if nobody whistles. Actually, what happens is it's pecking great is what is what it is. You know, I don't really get that whole thing of, oh, I feel invisible. I don't feel invisible. I'm not invisible to the people my age. Who are the people I'm interested in being visible to? If somebody my children's age kind of, you know, if their eyes sort of glaze past me. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not important to me. So I feel pretty good about ageing. I feel very comfortable with it. And again, I mean, I've, I've said this already, but again, I think the window in which you have this sort of sense of confidence and contentment, depending on what happens. I, my, my father had Alzheimer's. I have a sort of terrible fear of dementia. But, but you know, it's possibly quite, 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 you know, finite. So I think it's so important to avail yourself of all the goodness of it before you turn another corner and, you know, either carry on marvellously until you're 120, completely compost and physically well, or not. So, yeah. It's when I, when I was writing The Shift, I was, uh, several of the women that I spoke to for that were saying, you know, I don't, couldn't give a monkey's whether or not men think I'm attractive. But if, you know, I reach a point where I'm, you know, it's more about other women. It's more about that kind of engagement you have you have with other women where, you know, you might be in a lift and someone will be, where'd you get your shoes? If that stops happening, then that's a completely different experience because it's about, you know, it's that's more about camaraderie and fellow feeling than, you know. Well my shoes are always my shoes are always from Birkenstock or um, old bloodstones in winter. I also feel my relationships with other women, other women my age, 
have improved because actually there's a lot less of what I mean I do live in the middle of no you know I live in the very rural countryside I don't wear glamorous clothes I don't wear I've, I haven't worn heels for god at least 15 years you know so so and I wander around in my kind of linen smock all summer and my jeans and jumper all winter and like fashion isn't really you know I like I like nice clothes but fashion is no longer a thing for me but I find again a lot of that sort of falls away and this may be to do with environment. It may be completely different if I or you were living in the middle of London and going for dinner at the Wolseley every night, you know, and being and looking at other people and being more looked at. But no, I think for women our age, I think the, the only point at which there is potentially a small problem is when you look at them in the mirror and really, really dislike what you see. If you are dis- if you are sad because you can't see yourself anymore, the way you think you look, the way you think you are, or what is if what is reflected in the mirror is no longer an accurate reflection of how you feel, then that is saddening. And it and it and it's also really important, I think. It's not a question of sort of, you know, the ravages of time being inevitable and you just have to kind of get on with it. Getting on with it is certainly an option, but the the beauty industry, which I feel highly ambivalent about, but the beauty industry does, you know, churn out some quite good products that have quite a high chance of making you look look more like your old self or more pleasing to your own eyes or less sad or you know yeah it's like that I remember the first time I was walked past a shop window and glanced in and the overall effect of what was looking back at me was beige obviously with my hair that hasn't really been a thing for me before it's just now my hair started to fade and go a bit gray it's like Oh wow! What what do we do with this? Were you surprised when you started your column on style? Were you surprised that it resonated so much with older women? Um, no, because I don't know who the majority magazine glossy magazines don't exist really very much anymore in the way that we used to think of them. But you know, certainly. I grew up, as I'm sure you did, loving glossy magazines throughout the kind of 1980s and up to sort of the mid 90s, maybe late 90s. I used to save initially my pocket money and then just like once a month go buy a big stack and I would go to my room and I would read every single one from cover to cover and I would just feel delighted with the world. You know, I would feel really, really happy. The beauty content of those magazines for me, maybe because I have darker skin, I always felt slightly excluded from it. I the, the the this is a bit true of the fashion imagery as well, but certainly the kind of beauty and makeup pages. Every in my mind, everybody was blonde. Everybody had white skin. Everybody had blue eyes. All the blushes were pink. All the eyeshadows were you know suitable for pale eyes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And also, and the older I get, I got the more I I didn't trust the copy. I didn't trust the copy. I thought I'm reading rehashed press releases. All these big beauty brands advertise in this magazine and that magazine. And I don't think anybody's really telling me what I actually want to know, which is, you know, this is all very lovely packaging and the colours look very nice. But is it any cop? Does it work? Does it slide off your face? Does it make you look better? Does it make you feel better? Is it a waste of money because it's really expensive? I think for a long time, beauty was treated like the sweetie aisle, you know, sweets for older women. And actually, the older women didn't so much want to guzzle all the sweets. They just wanted to know what was in them. And also, if there were any alternatives that were maybe 
more palatable. So no, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised that some somebody somebody normal who uses cosmetics. I'm, I'm not a kind of beauty obsessive. I wear very very little makeup myself. You know, the, the idea that if if any, actually, a lot of the time, I the idea that somebody normal who goes to there's a big Sainsbury's that I like to go to occasionally for my treat just outside Norwich. It has a massive beauty aisle, and they're the women. The women in there picking up the products are the women I write for, and I don't think anybody was writing for those women without wanting to blow my own trumpet. I don't think anybody was writing for the women in the giant Norwich Sainsbury's beauty aisle before. I think they would they would be considered probably too old and certainly too unglamorous. Yeah, totally. And that I think the same goes. I mean, like you touched on fashion, definitely until the last couple of years, the same has definitely gone for fashion. Those people, you know, they don't really want, most brands don't really want their, their customer to be 40. They don't want their customer to be alone a size 18, you know, absolutely. God forbid, yeah. Can you imagine? It would be an embarrassment to, you know, see their clothes on one. So, um, so I really like the fact that, that that kind of, I, I really like the fact that there are things happening to sort of counter that a little bit, a little bit. I mean, it's still the prevalent view and lots and lots of beauty content is still about, you know, sticking on your false eyelashes and your 55 layers of foundation and venturing out into the world. But yeah, in answer to your question, I'm not surprised that not everybody wants to read that. But I don't read any of that, do you? I mean, I read you, I read Sally in The Guardian and I read Anita B in The Guardian. And that's that's it. That now that is where I'm much more likely to. Yeah, that's I'm I'm um I'm the same with those three. You know, I'm more interested in what I eat than in what I put on my face. I think once you identify what works for you on your, face, which is another thing that I'm kind of big on in this book, find your things, find the things that you want to address, find them acquire them or acquire a version of them and then you're good to go you're fine you don't have to you don't have to read every single beauty thing that's ever published you've got I'm much bigger on skincare than I am on makeup the book the book is sort of half and half but I really really believe in really good skincare and I think that you can get away with cheap makeup if you have really good skincare and the skincare actually needn't be expensive either saying skincare is the foundation of everything and when you get to the point where it's not a disaster if you don't wear, no longer wear foundation because your skin is decent you know everything else is everything just gets a lot easier yeah when I was reading your book I read the first half the skincare health forensically and the second half I was a bit like oh I'll just go to get to browse and yeah. then, you know if that, that's just those kind of I think I think a lot of people feel like that so how is your approach to your own looks and your own beauty routine, which I always think is such a ridiculous turn of phrase. How has that changed as you've got a bit older? Simplified massively. I used to believe all the hype. You know, I used to go, when I lived in London, I used to go running off to Selfridges Beauty Hall because there was a new miraculous cleanser and it was going to be 50 times better than the cleanser that I'd bought the month before and it was going to be transformative and da-da-da-da-da. It was like fandom. You know, I really kind of chased after these things. I was always really interested 
I mean, it is interesting what you can do to your own face by applying certain products to it. Um, now it's really simple. Do you want me to literally tell you what I use? It's so basic. I use Elemis kind of cleansing balm with a flannel. I use whatever serum I'm testing for the column. And then if it's like the depths of winter and my face is peeling off because it's too cold outside and too warm inside and the contrast makes everything go funny, I use uh, a moisture, uh, I use a facial oil. Um, on top of the serum. That is it. That is my beauty routine. In the morning, I get up, wipe my face with a warm, damp flannel and put on sunblock. That's it. That's music to my ears. Mm. I was going to ask you about serum later, but I'll ask you now since you've mentioned it. So if I put serum on, then my moisturiser just slides straight off the top. Do you need both? Do you need serum at all? Yes, you do need serum. I used to not understand the point of serum and I thought just use good moisturiser. No, serum is where all the technology happens it's where the really interesting uh, ingredients the, the more the most powerful ingredients um in textures that can penetrate into your skin properly and not just sit on top like a moisturizer serums are really if you're spending money anywhere spend it on a serum you may or may not need moisturizer but i mean but you certainly need a break between applying your serum and applying it. you need at least a 10 minute break um, if you put it straight on top, it will just like make a kind of mushy, slidey mess. That's probably the problem. I don't allow well, enough a, time for anything. Possibly, or your serum is too much. You want your, your serum should kind of absorb quite quickly and disappear. It shouldn't really sit on your face for very long. Yeah, it's so, I mean, I, I often think as somebody who, you know, for better or worse, was quite beauty literate or was quite beauty literate until I left magazines, I haven't got a clue. So what help, What hope is there for most people when you're confronted with BHAs and AHAs and niacin and, and retinol and retinoids? And... and nobody really understands what, I mean, unless you're a real kind of beauty nerd, you know, this book isn't for beauty obsessives. It's for women from about 45 all the way upwards who just want to look a bit better. They don't want to read encyclopedias. They don't want to Google ingredients standing in a shop. They just want to know what works and what is simple and how to put it on and what it will do. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I remember, I think it was after I'd left Red, but it was when I was working on the pool and doing consulting and a agency for a beauty company phoned me up and asked me to go in and they were like, okay, who are the big YouTubers for women over 40? And this was, you know, five, six, eight years ago. And I was like, they don't care. They don't care. They don't spend all day on YouTube and now TikTok. They aren't. They don't watch twenty five videos before breakfast. It's like, and they just didn't understand. They're like, no, no, no. We need to know who the YouTubers are. But it's like, oh man. It's not to say there aren't influencers. For, no, of course there are. Of course there are. Good for them. Great. But you know, as you say, you're not, you're not, you're not watching twenty five videos before getting out of bed. You're not sort of walking around with your nose in the phone on TikTok all day looking for. I mean, I really admire those beauty influencers on TikTok. They're incredible. But I don't, and I'm guessing you don't, and I'm also guessing an awful lot of women our age don't want to wear literally 32 makeup products on our face every morning just to kind of go and get the milk, you know. So they're really fascinating and they have an amazing kind of hypnotic quality. And also Americans wear so much makeup, so much makeup on their faces. It's incredible. So they're sort of fascinating, but I don't want to look like any of those people and I don't want to use what they're using because I'm not 15. One of the things that I hear a lot, and I definitely have felt like this myself, is about, I suppose the way to put it would be losing your look. So, I mean, with me, obviously, it's a lot about my hair. But right from the time I started wearing makeup, so probably about, I don't know, 13 or 14, I was all about, I was very conscious that I had, that I was fair. So I had no eyelashes and no eyebrows to to speak of. I mean, they were there, but they were hard to see. And so I was all about, like, piling it on my eyes. I was all about, like, a smoky, a smoky eye in the beauty singular, Um, you know, heavy eyeliner, all of that. And then I don't know if you found this, but one day it's almost like the same with the back fat. Like I woke up one day, applied all my usual makeup and went, what's gone wrong? Why does that not work anymore? It worked yesterday. My face hasn't changed. The products haven't changed. What's changed? And I hear that so often. Did you have that experience? Yes, completely. Um, My thing for a very long time, from the age of about 13, 14 to about late 40s, maybe 50, was um, liquid black eyeliner, which I would flick out as much or as little as the occasion required. I could kind of put it on in my sleep. You know, if I had liquid eyeliner in a dark bathroom, I, I could be pretty confident that it wouldn't look terrible. And then one day it did look unbelievably terrible. And I remember, I I remember wiping, going, oh, how funny. I must have, must have done something weird. Must have been concentrating, not concentrating. So I wiped it off and I put it back on, really paying attention, looking straight into the mirror. Hideous. 
hideous. And there's there's something like that for everybody. You know, your lipstick doesn't work because you're, suddenly your lips have gone thinner or your eyeliner doesn't work because suddenly your eyes have become more hooded or your trusty eyeshadow that doesn't look like eyeshadow but somehow makes your eyes look fantastic is like sitting awkwardly in creases. It's extremely disconcerting. And the other thing everybody has, I think, until they no longer have it, I think everybody knows how to pull it out the bag when they have to. You know, if you really, really need to scrub up well, everybody, you may not do it very often, but if you have to do it from the age of 15, whatever, you've been able to recreate your look, kind of ramp it up a bit and then be ready for the party or the event or the whatever. And also there comes a moment where that doesn't or no longer works either. So then you're left with the choice between kind of braving it out, going, okay, it looks pretty terrible, but it's all I know how to do. And the bad side, let's go. And then you feel horrible about yourself. Or you think, I don't know what to do. I think I'll do nothing. I think I'll just wear nothing. And of course, wearing nothing is fantastic, but it does take fair amount of confidence to go from somebody who wore makeup to some to, to somebody who no longer does and unless you're really delighted to be doing it and unless you view it as a total liberation which in lots and lots of ways it absolutely is um but if you're not that person it's possible to just kind of feel like you've lost yourself completely you've lost the past version of yourself that you could always rely on and you don't have a future version you're just sort of petering out and that's also a horrible feeling and you're quite often at that point in your life where you might be feeling like you've lost your sense of self anyway and then that compounds it what do you I mean I hate like do's and don'ts and shoulds and shouldn'ts and all of that stuff that's just so I I can say this because I was probably guilty of it but it's so magazine-y but what would you advise someone who's like me looking in the mirror and going fuck my fail safe smoky eye don't work no more I would advise that person, I would advise anybody to concentrate on skincare. I'm kind of like a broken record. In terms of makeup, I would advise the person to really, really look at their face. We all have a kind of almost a muscle memory of what we think our face looks like. Quite often, it doesn't quite look like that anymore. And a very small change can can result in a really, really big difference when you're putting on makeup. So I would say, really look at your face. Don't do your mirror face or your smiley face or whatever face you're making when you're putting on makeup. Just like, let your face sag, you know. Don't do your Instagram face. Do like your uh, just got up face uh, and really, really have a look and identify the bits that you like and the bits that you like less. And a bit like your massive smoky eye when you were a teenager, you know, th- there's something about your face. Everybody everybody has something great. Most people have many great things about their faces. But, you know, you, if, for example, although my book is full of information about droopy lids and sort of kind of sagging around the eyes because there are lots of things you can do. But, you know, if you no longer, if you no longer uh, like your thinning lips, line them. It's not, it sounds like some sort of hideous diktat from the 90s, you know, kind of dark brown maroon line with a pink middle. Uh, not like that. You can cheat. You can cheat. It is absolutely, you can cheat. You can cheat so well that, your cheat is invisible to the naked eye in broad, bright sunshine, you know, so you can do that. Or move the emphasis. If you always wore a lot of eye makeup, you know, maybe kind of up your blush. Or if you always had a kind of full pouty mouth, maybe 
go to your eyes. Brows are incredibly important. Everything slightly moves around as age happens, um, including your brows and including the tops of your eyes. So again, it's really important to not be on autopilot and to really, really, really look and possibly change your technique. It's also really important to soften I mean, of course, if you want to wear, I don't know, neon yellow eyeliner, then do. But generally, for kind of everyday life, where you use black, maybe use a chocolate brown, et cetera, et cetera, kind of soften everything slightly. Very important on brows, I think. I mean, I've got, I used to have black hair and I always made my brows, which were black, black. And now I kind of make them dark brown because it, otherwise it's, the whole thing looks kind of very harsh. But your face is basically sort of fading along with your hair. Um, but at least you've still got loads of hair. My hair is half extensions because it's so thin now. Anyway, or you shouldn't put, or I don't think you should put very kind of graphic marks on it. Everything needs to be more blurred and soft, I think. Without, look, without being wimpy, I don't mean soft in a wimpy sense. I mean, just kind of blended better and better applied. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because until probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, mascara would absolutely have been my desert island product no question but now I think if I really truly could only have one and moisturizer was already I was already allowed moisturizer then it would absolutely be a brow pencil I'm exactly the same absolutely now your face is just floating about and your eyes are floating about your features are kind of floating about your face like like weird semi-deflated balloons, you know, brows frame everything properly. They're really, really important. Even if you think you have good brows, they can be improved. I think there is some, when you mentioned about the lip liner just now, I was thinking there are some really damaging things that probably women of our generation, probably younger, might have learned in the 80s and 90s, you know, that how you know, back in the day, foundation was horrible and it came in three colours and, you know, it was orange and people had tide marks and all of that. And I definitely think I was scared of foundation because of that for a long time. And the same with that lip liner. It's like they were so different colours from the lipstick that you looked like you were something out of a Samuel Beckett play or something. And then I, I interviewed, oh, I think if she was last season, I interviewed the novelist Joanna Cannon and she just had a like a red lipstick renaissance. And she was like, no, 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 honestly, go, go and buy, a, you know, Mac for, for the sake of argument. And um, I had time, I was in Glasgow seeing a friend and I had time to kill and I thought I walked past whatever, I can't remember what the big department store is in Glasgow. And I thought, I am going to go in. And I went in and I did the thing that I've never done before and I sat down at the counter and I said to the girl, I want to try a red lipstick. I want to see if I can become a red lipstick person. And it was so interesting because all the ones that I liked in the tube looked horrible on me because they were all like too, probably too pinky. I don't know. And it was such an interesting experience because she did it for me and she found, you know, I can't remember what color it is now, but it's a slightly burnt orangey red. Yeah, I would um, imagine that would look amazing on you. And she, and then she said about the lip liner and I was like, oh my God, no way lip liner. But anyway, she did it and I was like, oh no, I need that. And now I use them all the time and I hardly put anything on my eyes. And I never would have thought that would happen. It's such a beautiful look, like an almost bare face with a really good red lip is my favourite, favourite, favourite look of all time at any age on anybody, but particularly on an older person. It's so chic because it doesn't, hasn't tried to, it's very French, it kind of hasn't tried too hard, but it looks 
but you're right the 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 color of the red the the that whether the red is bluer or pinker or redder or more orange is incredibly important I'm very pleased about that because so, I so often people go, oh, no, I couldn't wear a red lip. It's like everybody can wear a red lip. You just have to put some, do your homework about finding the right red. And a liner is a really, really good idea. I mean, I was just always scared of those women who were always in white coats trying to flog you stuff. And you felt like you were running the gamut of them in a department store. But actually... Spray you as well, squirt yes, you. Yes, yeah. yeah. And they, you come out of there stinking and with three products you don't want and never use. I wish I could remember, because I really should give her a shout out, but the girl in this department store in Glasgow on the Mac counter, was, she was absolutely fantastic. And I definitely, from my experience, I would definitely encourage people to get brave about that. Because if I just bought a red lipstick, it would have been the wrong colour. I would have hated it. It would have looked wrong. I would also really encourage people, actually, Mac is always a really, really good place to start because they're all trained makeup artists and they, they're very good. I would also always encourage somebody, particularly if they were doing something slightly outside their comfort zone, like looking for a red lipstick, not to buy online, not to buy a red lipstick online and then go, oh, it looks horrible, therefore red lipstick is not for me. Always, always, if you can, go to a big counter at somewhere like Mac and and listen to the advice of the person, of the makeup artist artist and try lots and lots of them out I think it doesn't you're you're quite right it doesn't work even even if the shade is very slightly off it gives completely the wrong the wrong look because I'm quite pale anyway and freckly um the ones that I was drawn to in the tube just made me look like blue it was really weird really strange let's talk about tweakment now I hate the word tweakments because it's like so cute making it sound like cute as opposed to invasive I thought that you were a tweakment refusenik, but you look very smooth to me. I am quite smooth anyway because I'm fat. Fat face <laughs> equals smooth. No, 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 it's true. Fat in your face is like the best thing you can possibly do for smoothness. So I was, a, I have been a tweakment refusenik for the last at least 10 years, probably longer can't quite remember. And then, allegedly for the purposes of this beauty book, but actually because I was quite curious, I veer constantly between serious, proper disapprovement of tweakments because one of the reasons that I am against is I hate the idea that you have a duty to remain useful. I just don't, I, I don't agree with it. I don't buy it. And women, when women say they're doing it for themselves, I sort of think, hmm. I think they're probably doing it for other women. But anyway, so I became a, having had um, Botox, I became a refusenik. And then for the purposes of this book, also, I told myself, I thought I should really write about tweakments. This is silly. I should go and have a couple of things done. So I went and had um, Botox. But look, I can do my eyebrows. I can do, I can move everything. Uh, I went and had teeny weeny Botox and some filler in this line here that's disappeared. I used to have this really deep line that went like that, like, like, like kind of from, from the corner of my eye all the way down to like my chin. And it was really horrible. And I thought it was a fatness line. I thought it, it, I mean, it was, it had been there for so long. It wasn't these nose to mouth lines or these marionette, charmingly named marionette lines, which I also have. Um, but anyway, I thought it was a fatness line and there was nothing I could do about it. And there it was. Anyway, it wasn't a fatness line. This is called your Malar groove. Anyway, he filled it. It's gone. It's not there anymore. And it made me really happy. But like, so, so that, but that's it. And I think also the difficulty with treatments is they're completely addictive. 
and you go, oh, my my fatness line, which wasn't a fatness line, had gone. What else can I have done? And I think you have to be very, very careful because that's when things go very wrong very quickly and become very expensive. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like the, when I think about the people I know who I know have reasonably frequent Botox and fillers. Like it's like the first time they come out going, oh, wow, I look 10 years younger or I look like I've had a couple of weeks sleep or whatever. But after... You know, and I agree. I kind of feel like each to their own, and it's important to say that. But at the same time, I do kind of feel like, yeah, after you've had that, and then you've had some more, and then you've had some more, and then you've had some more, the work is being done on the work and not on your face. So you kind of look. I've definitely got friends who just don't look very much like themselves anymore. They look like a version of themselves, not better or worse, not younger. That's exact. That's a really good analogy. Like like a somebody else who is also them. It's quite strange. And of course, the other problem with that is that you always think that you've got a friend who's going to go, stop, stop, you've started looking weird, a friend or a partner. Actually, that friend never says you've started looking weird because it's a massive thing to say to somebody. Even if you're best, best, best friends with somebody, it's a, it's a, it's a hurtful and difficult thing to say. You, you can't say to somebody, Okay, enough now. Give it a rest for six months. You're starting to, you know, you, you, it's very hard to say that to someone. So actually, nobody ever says it. Everybody politely goes, oh, you look great. And often the people just look odder and odder and odder and odder. Like a facsimile of themselves. Like oh, a sort of, yeah. You know, like it's, slightly Hall of Mirror, see. You know, in those old school magazine features where they used to say, here's a picture of Cameron Diaz. Here's a picture of Cameron Diaz's sister. And they always, and and the poor things always look like the slightly, like they weren't, they weren't the pretty one. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. Magazines were so cruel. It's incredible the things that used to get printed yeah, for our entertainment. Kind of circle of shame. Story. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Mm. Um, so are you going to go back and have some more now? Probably have some more next year when it's, so, so that's what, that's a year later. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't, I'm not tramping at the bit. I'm very happy with what I had done, which is the dosages were all microscopic. Yeah, probably, probably. I think I probably will. But if I didn't, I don't think I'd feel bad about it. I mean, I, I think I'd barely notice, to be honest. But again, you also have to do what works for your life. You know, my life is, I'm not on display in my kind of daily life. I don't... I'm, I don't go to glitzy parties. I don't go to openings or first nights or private views. So I'm very comfortable with the idea that my face fits my life. I think it's really important for your face to fit your life or your clothes to fit your life or your makeup to fit your life or your handbag to fit your life or your shoes, you know. Um, so for me, like wearing a lot of makeup and having a lot of tweakments would be like walking across to feed my goats while wearing stilettos. Like, why would I? It would be bananas. I'm better off in my Crocs or my Birkenstocks, you know. So it's a, it's it's kind of a version of that. Yeah, it's like I interviewed um, an actress last week who is 60, 61, and she as yet hasn't had work, and you can see that she hasn't. Um, but she said, you know, that she's routinely told you have to have work to get work by casting people, by other actors. And she says, you know, you stand next to someone of roughly your age who has had work and you do look, you know, so it's, you know, and she's been quite hard line about it, but she was like saying she doesn't know how long she can hold out. The thing is, you would imagine, wouldn't you, that in an ideal world, if you were casting 
a 65-year-old woman, you would want to cast somebody who looked 65, not somebody who looked like, you know, 47. So, I mean, I'm sorry for her because I'm sure that's true. And I'm sorry for people who are very kind of prominently in the public eye because I think the public expect them to look a certain way. And that idea of that kind of very old, to me, what now feels very old-fashioned idea of glamour, that kind of very that very kind of done and trussed and prinked and pronked idea of glamour is still, you know, it still exists, it's still around and people still expect it of celebrities. And I'm really sorry for the celebrities because if they don't play the game, then, you know, then they've let themselves go and it's all very tragic and, oh dear, aren't they looking their age? Horrible. You wouldn't wish it on anyone. Yeah, that horrible let yourself go thing. Mm. Grim. Really grim. So what is the, I've got a few brain picky questions now. What is the thing that suckers you in? So for me, it's like you've just got to put glow on a product and I'll be like, ooh. Yeah, I love glow and I love scent. I like really good scent. Um, and yes, no, I'm the same glow and like, but really good, really good um, luminizer. I, I I will buy with my own money any attractive new attractive seeming new luminizer that comes along. Um, I thought any product that it is worth spending a lot of money on. Yeah, your serum. You can get a decent serum for you know under fifteen quid. You can, and it will help. But a serum with a ton of tech in it and a ton of research in it will do possibly quite a dramatic job. Good serums are really, really worth it. What are the budget brands that you think are tend that tend to be reliably good? So for skincare, I think that you are really unlikely to go wrong with a good French pharmacy brand. My um, personal favourites are Bioderma and La Roche-Posay, um, both of whom do a wide variety of products for very specific concerns and they're really really good and you kind of could argue that you know there's not really any great need to spend much more than that even if you have to even even if you can afford to a couple more brain picky questions and then i'll i'll ask you the questions i always ask what is the single must-have product in your makeup bag my um eyebrow it's not a pencil actually it's a little pot and a and a and a brush eyebrows brows always do you find that those that the little the little kind of pots and brushes are better than say pencils or almost like mascara brushes? Um yeah, I mean I do like a good pencil, but I think you can be more careless with a brush because you're covering a bigger area, you know, the fatness of they're not particularly fat brushes, but you're covering more in one swoop. The um, pencils are obviously good for drawing teeny weeny individual lines, but you know, if you're in a hurry, I really like the pots and I like the pot and the pencil, the pot and the brush. What product will you buy if it wasn't sent to you free? A Borean BB cream. What brand was that? Arborian, E-R-B-O-R-I-A-N. French-Korean um, brand, makeup with skincare in it. And this is like, what's it like? It's like a little bit more than a tinted moisturiser. No, it's not. It's really hard to describe. It's a BB cream. It just sort of makes your skin look amazing while doing it good and looking like you're not wearing anything. Yeah, I'm still boggled by BB creams and CC creams. and All you need to know is that this Arborian one is incredible. You'd actually spend your own money on it. I certainly would, and it's not particularly expensive either. Dare I ask how much it is? I think it's about 24 quid for a big yeah, tube that will last you ages. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and last one. Have I got to invest in a magnifying mirror? 
Yes, you have to invest in a in a magnifying mirror, and then in either a large bottle of brandy or just you know whatever <laughs> whatever will get you through the night after you have peered into the massively magnifying mirror. They're so so horrible. They're really they're traumatic actually. And also, I always find random moustache hairs when I look in them. And they're just very distressing. They're really distressing in every respect. However, if you look okay, if you do your face and you look okay in the monstrously magnifying mirror, you're basically a goddess. Everything's fine. But they are shocking. They are shocking. I figured it had to be done. I was just looking for you to give me a get out, but it's obviously not going to happen. They are really, they're very good. Right. Questions I always ask at the end. What's your emotional age? God, that's a good question. And um, I'm going to give you a slightly weird answer. I feel I'm 57 and I feel much closer. This is therapy. I feel much closer to my mm, 11 year old self than I do to my 40 year old self or my 45 year old self. I feel much closer. 11 is maybe even too old. I feel much closer to my six, like the, the self that trotted about liking hedgehogs and conkers and books without thinking that I had to pretend to not like those things or I had to pretend to like other things or I had to. So I feel much closer. It's a slightly nauseating thing to say. I feel much closer to my child self than I do to my, um, middle-aged woman self but I also feel quite emotionally wise so I don't feel six years old emotionally I feel sort of in my heart do you know what I mean I feel I can access cheerful little self that didn't pile on layers and hide and try and reinvent all the time I feel I feel like my purer self now that makes perfect sense to me what advice would you give younger women Oh, to be true to themselves and to believe in their own wonderfulness and to understand that the things they don't like about themselves or feel anxious or complex about are the things that make them them and to not ever try and bend themselves into a shape that is not comfortable in order to please somebody else. It's so important. Yeah, it's. I can't tell you how many people when answering this question give a variation on that theme. And I think it's, you know, obviously it's because we've all spent so much of our lives doing that. Mm, Absolutely. It's great to not have to do it anymore, though. It's great that you can stop doing it. I just think we stopped doing it. It would be so wonderful if people stopped doing it when they were 25 or, in fact, never started doing it in the first place, you know. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like when you were saying about how you identify with your, like, your six-year-old self, it's when all that starts about 12 or 13 and probably younger now. Yeah, probably but, eight or nine now. Yeah. Who's your old bird role model? I should say my mother, shouldn't I? My mother is <laughs> she's pretty She's looking amazing. pretty great on Instagram. Um, she's My mother is amazing. Um, she's not old enough, I don't think. She had me when she was very young. Do you know, this is, is going to sound really naff and saccharine. There isn't an older woman or certainly an older woman in the public eye there isn't an older woman that i don't admire that i don't that i don't admire for something i just think well done you made it you're still there you're talking you know i re- i admire women who are quite mouthy i admire women who say 
what they mean, which in later life is usually how it pans out. So there isn't one in particular. I mean, I really like the cut of the jib of Helen Mirren because I think she looks great and I like what she says and I like I like listening to her voice. I like how she talks. But really, really any of them, you know, old broads who've been around the block and then round again and are still there, I take my hat off to all of them, really. What's your superpower? My superpower is positivity and optimism. I'm extremely glass half full, hard earned, but I'm, but yes. What book would you recommend or push on a friend? The, do you know, the book that came into my head is a children's book, really, is I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith, because it's still, you know, still hasn't been bettered as a comfort read, I don't think. Something more contemporary. I've been recently, I've been pressing um, Mick Heron's Slow Horses, that entire series, oh, on I everybody who hasn't read them. They're so good. They're so good. So, and they work for, you know, men like them as much as women do. And yeah, so... Somewhere between those two. Those are both great recommendations. And last one, how many fucks do you give? I mean, less than none. Less than none. I've never given particularly many fucks, but now I give like minus a million fucks. No fucks. Complete absence of fucks. Somehow I'm not surprised. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. And good luck with the book. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like my conversations with Sally Hughes and Anita B. You'll find a link to them in the show notes. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and follow because it really does help other people find us. And if you'd like more of The Shift in your life, head over to theshiftwithsambaker.substack.com and sign up for weekly newsletters, podcast extras, and more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.